Mikey, you have to stop eating all of our pizza in 10 seconds. Now, I'm gonna make sure we each get two slight. What? Mm, mm, mm. Eight seconds this time. 48 minutes of dog barking. 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 Growl. Growl. 48 minutes of dog barking. 48 minutes of dog barking. My wife left me <laughs> and took everything. <laughs> The family court took my children, and it's y- 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 your problem now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> a, a buddy of mine that I know, uh, Striker Spurlock, local comedian turned yeah. sad auteur. Auteur, oh, yeah. Yes, he made a, a short film. I mean, it's not necessarily short. I guess it's like an hour long called Part Time. It's technically, it's technically a Which short is film, about yeah. how miserable it is growing up in St. Louis from a guy who didn't grow up in St. Louis and he fucking nailed it. Yeah, somehow he made it. Yeah, because it was, uh, isn't it getting shopped around now in TIFF or uh, one of those film festivals? I would hope so. Um, it deserves to be seen. Like, I, I told Stryker to, like, talk to Means TV. Oh, yeah. And apparently they weren't interested, which is fucking wow. stupid. It because seems right up their alley, yeah. Yeah, like, um, it's it's most certainly what it was like growing up in fucking North County in, like, the aughts. It's pretty much what it was like growing up in North County in the 80s and 90s, too, uh, from sure. my experience. So, sure. yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> um, that that one struck me, yeah. Part-time is a fantastic short film. Oh, by the way, welcome to the show. It's 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking, your source for, um... Yeah, um, bullshit. <laughs> um, your source well, no, for because, like, you, whatever you the fuck it is. He's like, I'm right in the middle of a fucking story. You're like, oh, yeah, it's 40 Minutes of Dogs Barking. So this is Jason over here, the yeah. guy. The guy who's like, oh, wait, what are we doing? Rude. And then I'm Brian, the guy um, drinking a beer, frowning. <laughs> the rudest motherfucker on the planet over here. Yeah, uh, I got sorry. I, my dick. My Which one of us is the rudest motherfucker? Me, me. Oh. I was talking about no, myself. No, no, I'm but... the rudest motherfucker on the planet because I can't let this shit stand, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just be polite. But The anyways. first schism of the show, by the way. It's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> on the air anyway. on the air yeah there was that one there was that one time you, there was that one time my shirt got wet and you said oh that's okay and i was like but jason it's your fault and you're like it'll dry and i'm like but i gotta go to work and you're like so anyways uh, anyway so striker spurlock was telling me about a shirt that he had designed that um he's he's had like i guess up on redbubble or something and the front text i don't remember specifically but it was something along the lines like something like a weird divorced dad who's going through family court problems <laughs> might wear you know i don't want to be a part of any of your drama yeah don't tag me in your bullshit kind right. of thing and then on the back it says caution peaceful man <laughs> It's it's like the opposite of the jacket that only fighters could wear, you know. It's like yeah. it's it's very much like an algorithmic. Like <laughs> I am a firefighter that was born in May, and my credit card debt means I'll never own a Miata. You know. <laughs> uh, 
forklift certified twice divorced that's right you know like you know <laughs> shit like that but um but so yeah that was that was the point the, the the little thought i was trying to get okay because we were talking about the the banality of drops and yeah and weird phrases and how they just get stuck in your head and the yeah. radio shit and wife left left me you're now tuned to the divorce dad station 96.9 yeah just jimmy buffett on the fives and sevens that's twice an hour let's see changes in attitudes changes in latitudes no that one pencil thin mustache why don't we anyway that's a whole nother uh <laughs> my f- i owe this to and my all, and all i can think is that every one of those songs sounds like a sadder lamer version of brown eyed girl it's it's a lot better yeah well wh- i blame this all on my father as i blame don't a lot we of all. things yeah as don't i say we all blame things on our fathers but uh my dad had a, a very for the 80s, a very eclectic record collection. Yeah. Um, he was a big fan of Olivia Newton-John. Big fan of Olivia Newton-John. He loved the musical Xanadu. That's that's why we named our first cat Xanadu. Um, amazing. Uh, let's see here. He, I think he just got a, a crush on her from seeing her in Greece. But it, uh, let's see. Billy Joel, big Billy Joel fan. Uh, he had a lot of those. A lot of Jim Croce records. A lot mm-hmm. of Leonard Cohen records, which for a guy in the Midwest in the 70s, you didn't really see that a lot. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of stuff from, let's see here, ELO, big yeah. ELO fan, big uh, big Yes fan. He liked his Yes. He had the uh, <coughs> Emerson Lake and Palmer. So he liked a little it's bit. It's pretty of the, good, yeah. Or just like a dude in the Midwest back in the day. A pretty, I mean, uh, like I said, and then and then a couple of Jimmy Buffett records. Yeah. And so you know, I I got a pretty interesting musical education from the time I was able to yeah. remember that type of stuff. So yeah, my I grew up in a family where like my aunt could tell me stories about how when she was in high school, she thought that her mom, my grandmother, had like left for work. Mm. But she had forgot something in the house. Oh boy! And at that point, my aunt was already a couple songs deep into a Rolling Stones record, which my grandmother did not know about, and proceeded to oh, break boy. it over her head. Um, lots of stories about playing like, um, like blasting Frank, Frank Sinatra to drown out like the neighbor kids, like playing like the Doors and stuff, like taking the hi-fi and putting it up against like the window <laughs> facing the house next to us to just like so that every... devil music wouldn't come through. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, they were, my grandparents had some interesting feelings about me, like pursuing music photography and yeah. all that. And uh, I remember very specifically like showing my grandmother, some photos I had taken um, at my grandfather's wake because i didn't know the next time i was like hey this is stuff i'm really proud about sure and like showing her like foes of cole alexander from black lips like pouring spit off of his guitar back into his own mouth but not telling her that's what he was doing right but she's like oh, that's actually really nice and like uh photos of you know uh you know groovy man from thrill kill cult and shit and like you know like yeah i'm, I'm doing the devil music thing i guess i don't know like <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh well, music. So what's what we got here on the docket for for uh, shit going on? Is it you know what? I'm amazed. Uh, Twitter 
Yeah. It's still, I mean, it's as really... of right now, as of right now, it looks like everyone is bailing ship. <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine, I... imagine spending forty-four billion dollars as the world's richest man to just be a sadder version of low tax. Oh, it's just insane. Yeah. This like... is like Mangosteen and search being broken at the same time. And Gold Belly and a couple other uh, low tax greatest hits. Yeah. Uh, We've had a raft of people buying Twitter blue verification and then posing as people like George W. Bush and posting "I miss killing Iraqis." Yeah, um, so somebody... one uh, the one that was Joe Biden that was like, <laughs> "I'd be jerking off my dick." <laughs> I got lotion on my dick right now. <laughs> I mean, he's, he probably does, but yeah, that's um... hoax. <laughs> I, I, I swear, to God, if I could do a good Joe Biden, it would be over. Like I can't, I can't really me, do it. Let me folks, see. I've got, I've got lotion on my penis. You know, I can't. Hold on, folks. Ah, oh, see, that's yeah. it's. I keep it's like my the... father. Yeah, it's like a weird, quiet shout. Yeah, my father gotta... said. My father said, "If you don't come home after the lights go on in the streets, don't come home at all." And that's how I spent five years in the circus. <laughs> you know, like it's such a weird. He's got a weird voice. There's a gotta... few people out there that can that do the mannerisms. I mean, it's like, uh, oh gosh, I was like walking through um, the forest at night with some people saturday night because the lamier sculpture park had like their lamier at night thing oh yeah how was that it was really fun it was cool like you know hung out with some people i hadn't seen for a while and uh i was like walking through the the trails and there's like these really ambient lights and stuff they're like Mm -hmm. so you don't lose your way and folks we're on our ways here the bohemian grove we're gonna (laughs) see what the uh the elite the elites are gonna do to the children for the the sacrifice for moloch and you know the chick I'm dating is like, come on. And I'm like, it's really funny. Don't, don't make fun of me. Right. Well, it's like Alex Jones, you can really turn on and off at a dime. Uh, Just Trump imagine, is... though, if you're like walking through the forest at like this in the middle of the night, this family thing, and you hear some guy going, folks, they're making the, they're making the goddamn frogs gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Just, What's going on? Uh, it's... Uh, Alex Jones, you can really turn the Alex Jones off because you really just got to go real deep and then and then folks and then get the mannerisms. Yeah. But boy, you know, like Biden is tough. But there was so he but he he said something the other day and it really it it, it was a press conference. It was after the midterms. He was saying something about, you know, the the Trump coalition is real strong. And he just kind of he turns and goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was answering himself. <laughs> well, no, this was a reporter started oh. to ask him a question about Trump's something or other. You know, like, uh, well, are you worried about 2024? You know, Trump's base is real strong, and he scoffs and goes, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, he's really loosened. And you're like the co- whatever like cocktail they have on, like a variety yeah. of amphetamines, got him like, on the Z pack e. and the yeah. Yeah, like whatever the Z, the vitamin B shot that musicians get before they go on tour. Yes, 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 very much so. Yeah, he was just he was knocking them out that day. But yeah, Elon's destroying Twitter um, little by little. My favorite thing was Keith John Stack, uh, one of my favorite cartoonists on Twitter, drew this wonderful illustration of Elon with his pants down, a tiny little penis out, and a uh, big bag of money labeled forty four billion stuffed in a toilet. Elon there saying, no, this is my website. Stop making fun of me. 
it's just one of like the weirdest things I think I've witnessed in my my life, or at least when involving like the internet, of just like this is such a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like you fucked up so bad, and you just can't. Because I guess like Twitter was never like technically ever going to be profitable in the same way that Amazon is technically never going to be profitable or Netflix. Yeah. And, but now he's trying to, is how I understand it, he's sold some of his collective debt yeah. with Twitter. Mm-hmm. And there is a theory, and I don't think he's actually smart enough to pull a bank capital, which is to purposely sink it and write mm-hmm. it off on taxes. I think I think this is actually just like a guy who really has shown that he does not know what the fuck he is doing and is now doing it on the fucking big stage. It's either that or it's a, the producer's thing. He's he's stuck with something that he bought mm-hmm. that, yeah, somehow making it worse is going to somehow make it more profitable in, in the long run, but I still can't see the, the exit on that one. I don't one. see yeah. the... Uh... I don't see this going anywhere. I don't, I don't see it. Uh, here's an example. Here's one. Um, a, a Twitter user paid for Twitter Blue yeah. and then set their display name to Twitter. And then their posts are, of course, crypto slash NFT holders can now get Twitter Blue for free by authenticating their wallet assets. Authenticate here. And then a link to what I'm assuming is a wallet drainer. I'm sure it's a phishing site. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's got like what thousands of retweets? Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty eight thousand retweets. Amazing. The amount of shit that is happening per hour is truly insane. It's hard to keep it's, up with it. It's like you turn Twitter into like a fucking video game forum. <laughs> it's like hard OCP. <laughs> yeah. Or even like when uh, Resident Evil Five came out. Ah, uh, yeah, I was trying. I was thinking, like, uh, what's the other one? Reset era, you know. Oh, t- what's the Neo Tokyo Tokyo Digital? Whatever. There was one. That Neo was Gaff. Like, there we go. Yeah. Well, Neo Gaff is still pretty useful if you're looking to do things like hacking and and oh, homebrew okay. and things like that. But yeah, for the most part, it's pretty unusable. Yeah, I can't think of the last time I I logged into like a real like web forum. It was probably like harmony central or something oh, wow. weird like that. yeah that's a that, that harmony central jesus yeah that's been a while i know that's a real blast from the past or like game spy you know any of the Ooh. the spy sites yeah oh you mean like you go oh god yeah you go because didn't they the whole thing was that they got bought by ign wasn't that the whole i can't remember man that's it's really... been so long yeah who There's knows a... anymore yeah, that that'll have to be a whole nother um a whole going nother back thing. into web old gaming websites <sighs> like I mean it's really weird to think that the the thing about old gaming websites that aren't around anymore you could be talking just as much as about uh like you know uh PSM online or something as like oneup.com or even like GamePro. Oh god, yeah, yeah. GamePro. Wow. It's weird to think that GamePro is a thing that hasn't existed for a long time but it's true yeah so yeah there's that what else is terrible is happening on the internet i don't know man like the the, the, the whole twitter thing i'm sure when we get to the crypto scam of the week it's probably the second worst thing that's going on here yeah i was gonna say there's 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 plenty more stuff but a little bright spot um i'll talk about the the, the movie this is relating to later on in the episode but a biopic about Weird Al came out. We talked about this in a previous episode when the trailer came out. I was very excited about it. Saw it over the weekend. It's great. But Weird Al on Twitter was responding to a fan. And someone was saying, 
you know, how do I watch in Australia? And so his response was, Roku's working on it. Roku is the channel that, Mm -hmm. but they're not available everywhere. Roku's working on it. In the meantime, there's VPN, and then in parentheses, very probably no, way to watch it legally. I'm sure you have a torrent, all caps, of other questions, but I have to go now. So (laughs) Weird Al is telling you to torrent his movie via a VPN. Good on you, Weird Al. Yeah, he's always... I think we're definitely a pro Weird Al uh, podcast. <laughs> the first CD I ever bought was Bad Hair Day. Okay. Yeah. Not so a bad like, one. So, like, the weirdness has been there. Like, Is that the one that has the They Might Be Giants parody on it? Um, that's the one that has uh, the Gangster's Paradise parody. Yes, because track two is Everything You Know Is Wrong, which is him trying to imitate the style of, of They Might Be Giants. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's... Uh, that's a good one. Classic yeah, that was one. a classic record. I annoyed the hell out of my mom <laughs> with it in fifth grade. Oh, man. I had in 3D UHF and Dare to be Stupid on cassette, and I think I wore those puppies out. So, oh, yeah, I have yeah. I have his original tape, the, oh, on, the, or the, the original the self-titled, uh... self-titled on tape. I bought it at the Streetside Records and off of uh, West Florissant. Like mm-hmm. the fucking oh, hella North County ass fucking like yeah. across from Clock Tower. Yeah, yeah we yeah. really want you know by the Toys R Us. You yeah. know, you know how one side two seventy there's the Venture yeah. and that Best Buy over in Clock Tower. Yeah, Clock I'm Tower. talking about across the street. You know uh, where the Venture, where the Shoe Carnival is, the one that's uh, like multi level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like there's like two people are going to listen to this and be like, I kind of know what he's talking about. But that was I bought that from Streetside, and I I think it's about the only cassette tape I've ever worn out. It was it was this it was the Dare to Be Stupid and then mm-hmm. Green Day's Dookie were the only two tapes I think I physically broke from playing too much. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Not bad. We're a pro Weird Al podcast, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, he's been telling his fans to torrent his new movie, and um, if you do so, well, that's up to you. Not my not my problem. Just you know, romp safe, as they would say. Yes. And then the other thing that that was happening on the internet this week is really just all this stuff with, uh, well, with the crypto scam of the week, because it's a big one. we got to get into it. You're listening to 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking, the podcast. And now it's time for the crypto scam of the week. Hello from the future. This episode was recorded prior to the bankruptcy filing for FTX and prior to the Ed Zitron episode. As such, some of the info about FTX is outdated. We now return to the Time Cube episode already in progress. So, yeah, the Crypto Scram of the Week. Scram. A Crypto Scram of the Week, week. folks. Uh, Listen, I tell you, someone who's not having uh, two hots in the cot, or three hots in the cot even, uh, what's that fucking guy from FTX? Sam Bankman Freed. I'm saying Freed. I want to say fried, though, because he is definitely cooked. He's toast. He's Uh, fucking done. So the second biggest crypto exchange in the world behind you know binance mm. has become basically uh illiquid the crypto exchange in question is ftx is that correct yes you're correct sir. okay so they were everywhere as of the super bowl just super this year bowl, back the, in... uh, uh uh fucking stadium right naming rights oh, yeah, in yeah. miami mm-hmm. just a lot of things i mean they really threw down some money but i i think <laughs> they got bitten by the same sourness that uh, Luna mm-hmm. and all and that whole f- debacle, which is they were leveraging their own token mm-hmm. and taking customer money and leveraging it. 
Yeah. Or at least it's implied that they're doing it. Right. Uh, I don't know if there's really any like hard facts yet, but that's the vibe that people are getting as far as I understand it. Mm-hmm. That uh, they basically uh, were trying to short or even long in some instances with money that technically really wasn't theirs or money that they shouldn't have been fucking with at the right. very least. Yeah. Seven, eight billion in the hole, technically, mm-hmm. I think is what a yeah. lot of people are seeing. Yeah, eight billion is, is the latest figure via Coindesk, yeah. Which is, it's fucking wild to think of that. You know, CZ from Binance, I think, was even filed some sort of letter of intent to buy FTX. But apparently after looking at their books, mm-hmm. Binance fucking passed. So it's pretty fucking dire. A lot of people I'm seeing on Twitter in the tr- in the crypto space, like, use FTX a lot because it was, I believe, one of the easiest exchanges to do longs and shorts mm-hmm. if you were, you know, an American now there's plenty of fly-by-night exchanges in in Asia that don't KYC and all that stuff. But guys who like are trying to you know stay out of jail in America were using FTX to you know fucking try and gleam another fucking ten percent off their you know twenty x <laughs> fucking yeah. one dollar short. You know a lot of guys were 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 playing that game on FTX, and when FTX started losing its liquidity and started freezing accounts and start freezing withdrawals that got real fucking scary there's mm-hmm. some people that like are like i had a considerable amount of money on this exchange and i am fucked yeah you know um it's hard to get too empathetic because the whole part of the whole fucking elevator picture crypto is it's decentralized and there's no regulation and all of that not that I like I'm laughing at these folks because I'm not. No. But at the same time, this is also what you guys were kind of fucking talking about. This is what right. you were like, you know, saying what made crypto so great. And maybe it would make crypto great if there were better actors and less greed. But I don't think you I mean, it's like being a cop. The it's you're you're putting your faith in people that shouldn't have the power that they, if you want that sort of power, you shouldn't have it. That's kind of it. Well, I mean, looking at, again, the coin desk that ran the numbers via quarter two total assets, quarter two, 14.6 billion. This is comprised of 5.8 billion in the FTT token, 1.2 billion in Solana, 3.7 billion in unidentified quote, crypto held, $2 $2 billion in investments in equity securities, which leaves roughly about $2 billion in assets, which, according to their sources, hundreds of millions of dollars in the remaining assets are comprised of Cerium, Oxygen, MAPS, and FIDA, all of which are other projects from the same guy. Now, Yeah, like the Alameda stuff, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Alameda only had about $134 million cash in hand as of June. Yes, and I believe Homeboy has announced they're going to be sunsetting Almeida. Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's like the Luna debacle all over again, but this time the numbers are uh, surprisingly so much bigger. I mean, I remember, I know I've probably said this a few times on the podcast so far, but looking back at big crypto scams and big crypto losses and debacles, I mean... A year ago, a big fuck up would be like 30 mil. Yeah. 40 mil. Yeah. Now we're getting into the billions with a B. It's fucking crazy. This is real fucking money. This is 
this is going to have huge ripples, not just in the world of crypto or the internet. I, I mean, this, I think, has a lot of potential to be incredibly disruptive uh, in real life. I think this is going to fuck up many markets across the country. I'm not an economist, but I can uh, definitely uh, I could definitely look at something and go like, oh, that's going to be bad. Yeah. Like, I don't think you have to be a really smart person that has like a degree in economics to be like, oh, oh, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you when you have a clogged toilet and you think if you just flush it the right way, it's going to solve itself. And you're like, oh, oh. Uh, this is going to get a whole lot worse whole before lot it worse. gets better. Yeah. Well, uh, a friend of the program, Ed Zitron, who is uh, on Twitter at Ed Zitron, has a great newsletter called Where's Your Ed At? And he talks about crypto every once in a while. He had a great series. Is actually This is one of two newsletters that he did specifically about Bankman Freed, comparing it to what happened with Voyager. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it, when Voyager happened in July, there were rumblings about the cryptocurrency industry, about who was exposed, and CNBC reported that Bankman-Fried had a deeper relationship than, with Voyager than was publicly disclosed. Oh. So Ooh. so there's other stuff happening, too, with that and, like, Three Arrows Capital and a couple of these other, like, big stories that have already happened this year. It really feels like Bankman-Fried has, like, kept on taking on additional risk after other people that he's been involved with have proven to be insolvent or they're having major issues. Right, whatever it was. Being just a big, dumb, doo-doo shithead with a yacht. (laughs) (laughs) He lives in the Bahamas, and Alameda borrowed either $370 million or $1 billion. And this is Ed Zitron. Again, I'm quoting. I am continuing my conspiracy theory that I do not believe SBF is very liquid and something bad is going to happen. He called that August 9th, three months to the day. Yeah, Ed is not the first person to question SBF's uh, bona fides and his intentions and his, his money. There's a lot of people in the crypto space that saw him as a fucking villain. Big names or just like um you know relative like relatively like mid-sized crypto Twitter people you know even ones I think got check marks from not not because <laughs> not, they not, paid for them not but, for the eight bucks but no not for the eight bucks but they got check marks because they were the sort of person that like they couldn't post without a fucking dozen fucking fake <laughs> accounts and things right. like that but people were very skeptical of him as a personality and his intentions and there's a, a lot of crypto people like Bitboy that are easy to stare down your nose at and, right. and, and be like, well, what a terrible person. But SBF always felt like a ticking time bomb as far as I ever knew of him. So watching this all implode has been wild, but mm-hmm. uh, not completely unexpected. I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop with, with him. What was it that made you kind of suspect as far as SPF goes. I just never got good vibes and I and that's yeah. so fucking vague, but it was I know. just like reading crypto Twitter, SBF seemed like what's that one guy? Michael Saylor, BitBoy. I mean it even go as far as like Jim Kramer is a villain in the crypto space. Well, Jim Kramer is a villain in most spaces sure, that he is sure. in in any you know sure but, but uh you know just a guy that just a shithead. Yeah. Like <laughs> as of this recording, SBF has taken to Twitter to respond yeah i'm, I'm seeing it right here yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> yeah that's the biggest thing yeah. i fucked up yeah i put my dick in a blender and now it's a bloody <laughs> stump everywhere yep. oh gosh oh no where'd that voice go yep uh, yeah 
No, yep. it's so terrible. And it, Trant, I shouldn't have had so many weird nasally friends growing up that were easy to mock. So here's an update on where things are. He's basically laying down in a very, very long Twitter feed that he did not tell the truth about his liquidity. We saw roughly $5 billion of withdrawals on Sunday. God damn. And so I was off twice, he continues, which tells me a lot of things. And a third time, I'm in not communicating enough. I should have said more. I was slammed with things to do and didn't give you updates to you all. I've been too busy hitting, <laughs> hitting up some fat put. I've been, <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all been out. Yo, y'all want your money? I'm sorry. I've been fucking throwing pipe around and. <laughs> He's not the guy with the hanger, is he? No. No, no, that's that's VB. VB, okay. That's that's the guy that's got the major fucking hog. I I still think that's fake. We thought we we analyzed that picture frame, <laughs> I think. We we got we sent it to <laughs> we sent it to our friends at Quantico, at yeah. Quantico. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it? Are we assets or are we targets? I don't know, but um, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that all of our all of my uh, 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 encouragements for some junior FBI agent <laughs> he wants they, to make a name for himself. They paid off. I got a call the other day. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> a visit at the house. So <laughs> visit at the. <laughs> they left with a. F- oh Jesus! It's gonna happen one day. They left a folder with the transcripts of all the episodes, and I said, "Well, thank you for doing that for me. That was really nice." Gosh, now we can get uh, now when we upload these episodes on the, <laughs> onto uh, Libsyn, Libsyn or YouTube, we can we have our uh, we have our captions. Here's my take uh, on on the, the the collapse because it's just it's going to be really bad for a lot of people because this has a ripple effect because, like I said. I mentioned it, and then you confirmed it that that FTX was Super Bowl commercials, and they were yeah. doing naming rights, and they were doing all these celebrity endorsements, and much like Kim Kardashian got a call from the SEC, well, you know, uh, who else? You know, who who else worked with FTX? If I remember, it was Larry David. Oh God! <clears throat> so all these high-profile people—they're insolvent. <laughs> well, you telling me that they don't have any money? Hold on, they said they they paid me the check clear. What do you mean they're insolvent? They're insolvent. They're insolvent, Larry. What does that even mean? They're insolvent. <laughs> anyway, you can write a whole curb episode about it. I'm sh- <laughs> and I'm sure he will. Larry being who he is, he will make that an episode. <laughs> somebody stiffs the fictional Larry on a on a thing. Or somebody pays fictional Larry to do a thing and then it turns out to be the company's a scam. Well, I got paid, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you want me to feel sorry? <laughs> yeah. Why do I feel sorry? <laughs> but I do. I feel sorry. There's going to be a lot of pain. And I know some people, because FTX was kind of seen as a real stable place to be, it was very... For some reason, it was considered very trustworthy. They By had some, good, they had good marketing, they had clean presentation, and they did offer some services that people in the crypto, some individuals in the crypto space, really valued. And they were some services that, I, as far as I know, were kind of hard to get as an American trying to do everything you know by the books and legally. There's a lot of crypto exchanges out there, and 
FTX was shaking the biggest stick. Mm-hmm. I feel like Binance doesn't really need to fucking market themselves like FTX is. I don't think F- Binance is ever going to do like a Super Bowl commercial. No. I don't think Coin... But has Coinbase done a Super Bowl commercial? They uh, probably did. They probably have. Who yeah. cares? That's the thing. Now that we're in this bear market and this downturn, we have a lot of economic uncertainty across different markets and different sectors all over the world. Shit's going to get fucking real. Um, yeah. We're going to see a lot more stuff imploding and hopefully it doesn't take more like fucking normie people down with it. You know, there is some rumor that crypto.com mm-hmm. might be uh, in similar a similar situation to FTX or Voyager or, um, you know, a couple other smaller, you know, smaller exchanges have been in trouble. There's been, I've read some rumblings about Gemini mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Bybit, I think is one of them. This is what happens when there's no regulation and you have these weird online digital casino banks and... You are letting people drive the car who honestly shouldn't be driving it. To sum up how bad it's going to be, here's a summation that I've been able to gather through a combination of Coinbase's reporting, that article I talked about earlier, and then a, a, the, the newsletter from, from Ed. FTX is the third largest cryptocurrency exchange by volume, just behind Coinbase and behind Binance. So... They have now frozen withdrawals. Bankman-Fried has been the poster child of legitimate cryptocurrency. They've made serious inroads in America, like a legit company. We don't know at this time how much money Sam Bankman-Fried owes and to whom he owes it. That's the big question mark about all this. And then the other one is his worth and some part of FTX is tied to FTT. We mentioned this earlier, Mm -hmm. which is now down below $4 a token from Twelve dollars, as Ooh. of a day ago. That's like a fucking shit coin. Yeah, that's like gay stepsister Inu or something. Yeah, <laughs> the the Lana Rhodes coin. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's so bad. It's that's, oh, that's so bad. I, I must go to my home planet. I yeah. miss you. <laughs> yeah, he's going. This is this is some guy where his boat's going to turn up. Like yeah. Oh, I guess he fell off his yacht. Are you talking about a Robert Maxwell situation where oh, they're yeah. going to find him? Uh, they're never going to find him? Yeah. Something tells me this is about to go very badly for a lot of people. And that's that's why it's the, the big major uh, crypto thing of the it's week. Because, scary. God damn, it's, it's, it's not necessarily even a scam. I hesitate to call it a scam, even though it kind of feels like one. It's a scam in the sense that someone was not being honest and was probably being deceptive. And what makes it tough to say is because we don't know exactly in which ways they've been doing this but right. it seems like that has most certainly been going on all of this after celsius and voyager mm-hmm. in the past year right yeah and i mean there's probably dozens we haven't oh remember. right but those those two are the 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 big ones that I, that come to my mind ever since we started doing the show yeah binance trying to buy them was a, was a sign to begin with that was Binance just kind of, I think, trying to do damage control. You think uh, it was CZ trying to save uh, Sam's ass there? No, because I would say if there's two people as far as heads of exchanges that seem to be at odds with each other. It would be those two. It would be those two. But I think CZ, it, like uh, VB, you know, the Ethereum founder, I think has a deeper vision of things than most people in the space. 
And I'm not necessarily like saying he's like a good dude, but I think he has a philosophical interest and not necessarily, I would say yes, also material interest, but a philosophical interest and in watching things not completely go to shit. Right. And I, I think probably Binance entertained the idea of buying FTX was to minimize the damage, not just for the space, but for individuals. And I'm not saying this like this, like CZ has a hard gold. No, but I think CZ is smart enough to be like, oh, this is really bad. Right. This like, will be bad for me, too. And so I I better will, step in be and stop for, the bleeding. For millions yeah. of people. I can like see, at least say that CZ is like the anti Elon Musk and that like he doesn't seem like he's interested in doing stupid, vain shit. Yeah, at least. That we know of. I mean, like, I'm sure, like, the guy has, like, some indulgent, disgusting <laughs> parts of his life. Like, uh, why wouldn't you? But right. if you're, like, in that sort of standing in the world and, you know, there's, like, what, you know, 15 years of water left. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bitcoin itself has taken a 238.50 uh, dive. That's down 2% uh, over the day. You know, it was what 19,000 a couple days back so i mean i mean people were thinking we were going to get the mid 20s yeah not even like probably 2 weeks ago 15,000 yeah, are we looking at the hourly here this was 5 day so yeah okay. this was this was hourly on the 5 day and and, and yeah about, about as of yesterday at 10 p.m. Yeah. it cratered uh, to this about this is uh, what they would call like a black swan event yeah that would definitely be be considered that it's dark times people thought that crypto was going People thought that the bomb was in on Bitcoin probably right. since maybe as recent as June. Yeah. And thought that this was the accumulation phase of things. But right. it really shows you how news driven the space is and how reactive it can be. Which makes it, uh, you know, if you're like some fucking crazy fucking cokehead that loves to <laughs> fucking play loose and fast and, and trade with leverage. I'm going to um, buy a boat. My boat. <laughs> I would always, I would always joke with a friend of mine, uh, Joe from from my high school, that joke around as as though we were uh, some coked out guys because we knew a couple of them. Oh yeah, and uh, we were like we're gonna buy a boat. Buying a boat in landlocked Missouri was perfect mm -hmm. as a as a completely foolish thing you would do while on coke. My favorite thing that if you ever like have friends or grew up with someone who who came from a family with a little bit of money. They have little nuggets of truth that they like has been passed down probably from their grandparents to their parents and so on. And the one that I heard the other day was from someone who came who grew up with some means was that the two happiest days of owning a boat is when you buy it and when you sell it. <laughs> I can't imagine that being untrue. That seems right. It's the same with a car, I guess. Well, like a boat, like, I mean, unless you live like in certain parts of the Pacific Northwest or certain parts of Northern Europe. Like having like a boat is pretty impractical. It's a liability. Almost, it is a liability, you know? and you got to think about like dock fees and all of that. I mean, like, unless you live at Lake of the Ozarks, unless you live right by a oh, lake, yeah, like, and, or like yeah, like Lake St. Louis or something. Yeah, or like everything regionally here. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, even if you're, you know, even if you're, say, uh, Lake Michigan, you know, if you, if you've got a piece of property out on Lake Michigan. Or wherever, you know, any, anywhere there's a, a, a lake or a body of water or somewhere where you can use it recreationally and you're kind of right there and you live there. Sure. That makes a lot more sense. But yeah, here in the city, owning a boat is like, why would you do? It's like owning an RV unless you're on the yeah. road all the time. Or retired and yeah. just pissing away money. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say if I had the money to spend 
on something recreational, I would most certainly buy a cabin or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before a boat. The Powerball came up the other day. Oh, yeah. Everyone at my new jobs, I'll talk. Oh, you want to get on the Powerball pool? And I'm like. Powerball pool. Wait, how does that work? I got to I gotta get. Oh, so it's like the workplace Powerball pool. So, like, everyone, oh, okay. like, you know, puts their money together. And I guess depending on how many people buy into the pool, depends on how many tickets, tickets you buy. Okay. And the whole thing is like, well, if we win, everyone in the pool gets a split. Okay. I mean, this is a tale as old as time. I bought five tickets the other day. Yeah. Well, because it was one point nine billion dollars. It became like two something billion, didn't it? Yeah. After the after the the, the one drawing, and so it was like two point two by the time it actually got winning numbers drawn. That kind of thing, you start thinking about. Okay, what am I going to do with that money? Well, obviously, you know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, buy Little Saint James. Well. <laughs> There it is, and a plane, my dream home. And a plane to fly there. Go a nice I, little place to <laughs> grow my tomatoes. Go have a little basil out on the uh, windowsill. Is it Mike Ermentrout doing it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what we're going to do, Walter. Walter, Walter, you're not coming to my pedophile island. Walter, no. This is what you're going to do, Walter. <laughs> I don't got to laugh. That's nice. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the. I was just doing just like generic like. No, I know. It just. It, it, I, I just for some reason. Oh, my pedophile island. <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, but so I thought. Okay, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay off my mom's house. I'm gonna do. You, you know. know you, you know what I would do? What's that? Two chicks at once. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and yeah, <laughs> no regrets. Yeah, yes, and. Can I tell you a really? bad story <laughs> so there was a guy named ben when i was like 19 or 20 that used to be in our friend group he was kind of like on the periphery of it we'd see him at house parties and stuff and he was this big fat ginger he was on the football team in high school okay and uh I think I might we work saw him at a house guy. party and uh this guy we knew bet him ben i bet you can't eat that whole entire block of cheese and we were oh, at boy. someone's house and uh he was like yeah, I can eat it, and that motherfucker ate the whole entire fucking block of sharp how, cheddar. How big are we talking? It was a, it was like a a brick, a brick, a brick. Yeah, like it was, it was like you know uh, a considerable. It was a considerable amount yeah. of cheese to just on the spur eat on a dare, <sighs> or just not even like a dare. It was basically, I bet you can't eat it, and he's just like, yeah, no regrets. And so I remember him eating the last, like the fucking heel of the wheel, of, the Ugh. heel of the chunk of cheese, and he's like, I'm like, so what's What's up with the no regrets tattoo, Ben? And he just starts fucking slapping his fucking bicep. He goes, <laughs> man, no regrets, man. It's like when you're fucking two chicks at once, man. No regrets. <laughs> sure. All right. <laughs> what else can you say Gosh, at that point? Man, I mean, like, so that's his only response. No regrets. <laughs> two chicks at once, man. No regrets. He's not wrong. I think he that's isn't yeah, wrong. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know. For me, if I was fucking two chicks at once, I would be so nervous. I'm like, how am I going to stay hard? How am I going to stay? No regrets. Like the no regrets is, is like you know, I've got to act like, oh, I think I left my stove on. <laughs> well, but this is your place, Brian. No, the stove in my other place. <laughs> I have to go now. I, you know, I, I think that would be my my main thing. Would be like, a, can I perform? And b, did my wife approve of this person that we're, you know? There's no wife in this. Pr- see, and see. that's yeah, that's where that's the. I mean, I'm not saying me. I'm not saying uh, you don't you. Know, I'm not saying it's 
you should have no wife. But I'm saying, I'm saying for this, in this scenario, for, in this yeah. scenario, the concept of marriage does not exist. Not exist. Okay. This makes this uh, equation much more Purely, uh, aerodynamic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no friction there. I get that. So, speaking of aerodynamic and no friction, perfect segue. No notes. Ten out of ten. We're going to talk about today one of my favorite things on the internet since 1997. No, I'm not talking about the Lords of Acid homepage. I'm talking about... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm talking about our good friend, Otis Eugene Ray. Brian, does the name ring a bell Is for that you? the guy who killed um, Jack Ruby? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> God I was just like... It was like James Earl Ray. I know. that's what, yeah. Hello from the future. Jason and Brian have brain damage and have referred to James Earl Ray who killed Martin Luther King Jr. Jack Ruby died of lung cancer in 1967. We now return to the Time Cube episode already in progress. Could have gone the other direction. Anyway. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows what beautiful words I could have said? <sighs> who knows what uh, shadows leave? Who cares what evil leaks leaves in the hearts of men? All right, hand me a beer there, Chachi. Oh, I got a drink more to understand. I've got a drink to understand the t -t 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 time cube. Time cube. That's right, folks. There you go. go. The wire. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's not. It's not complete without. Yeah, the wisest man on earth, self-proclaimed, of course, Otis Eugene Ray, a gentleman who probably will go down as the most insane man on the internet. Um, yeah, I remember like seeing a photo of him. It was like the kind of guy that invented a new kind of oatmeal cookie that everyone hated. Like, what if Otis Spunkmeyer just was stupid as fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's 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 pretty much him. Hey, so. hey, listen, you don't need to put all them oatmeals in that. You just gotta <laughs> use a little bit of sawdust, a little bit of baking soda. And a little bit of lime rind. That's right. So courtesy of maincampus.com. Oh. This is a article from 2004. A gentleman named Mike Hartwell wrote this. It's a pretty good summation of, of, of Otis's whole deal. So uh, it begins, Finding nutcases on the internet is easier than finding NASCAR bumper stickers in a Walmart parking lot. Oh. Woo. What was this written? This is 2004. Okay, that's, that yeah. tracks. Well, watch out, loyal reader, because a Class A specimen can be found at timecube.com. The webmaster, self-proclaimed wisest man on earth, Gene Ray. He did not go by Otis. He went by Gene Ray. It was Otis Eugene Ray is his full name. He goes by Gene Ray. The premise of the webpage is to inform the masses that the universe, as we know it, is a lie. Ray has graphs that show that each day is actually... Four separate days occurring simultaneously. He assures you that the day is naturally divided into four parts. Sun up, midday, sundown, and midnight. He is very sure of this. A few years ago, he was equally zealous that the day is divided differently into four parts. The website used to speak of morning, early afternoon, late afternoon, and evening. It appears that Ray is a man of science, after all, and exchanged his crazy ironclad view for a similar crazy view. Otis Eugene Ray, a.k.a. Gene Ray, created this website in 1997. And it posits, as the article there describes, mm -hmm. that there are four parts 
to the day, and that each quadrant of the earth experiences that same day four times. <laughs> now, this might be just a guy not understanding how the rotation of the earth works. Uh, yeah. This might just be a guy understanding nothing about time. It's a very creative and liberal interpretation of how things really are. Yeah. And it's like a childlike understanding of things in a way that is expressing a sense of imagination mm -hmm. that is kind of hard to fucking hate. Right. But at the same time, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is Coke guy coring you at a party about how he doesn't own a TV. Right. <laughs> That's how they get you, man. And I just been uh spend a lot of time, you know, like uh reading books, uh -huh. hiking. Uh -huh. Hey, do you know anyone who sells Coke? Right. <laughs> he got to speak at MIT. Which is amazing. In January two thousand two is part of a student organized extracurricular event. He spoke at MIT, and he offered $10,000 to anyone who could prove that his views were wrong. Mike Hartwell, again, of the main campus, wrote that any attempt to claim the prize would require convincing Ray that his theory was invalid. The proof would need to be framed in terms of his own model, thus deviating from any form of modern science. Quote, even if you could pull that off, Hartwell said, Ray is probably broke. So <laughs> his offer of ten grand, of course. Would never come oh, yeah, to fruition. I mean, yeah. He's never going to no. come around to it. So what really sells it, though, is the site oh, itself. He does look like a bootleg O.S. Like what you think O.S. Spunkmeyer would be like if he had priors. Yeah. So what really sells it, though, is the website, which is what I just pulled up here for Brian. A, a series of hastily cobbled together graphics supporting his idea including a photo of himself uh, portrayed there in the Nature's Harmonic Simultaneous Four-Day Time Cube. This is like a Longmont Potion Castle-like <laughs> kind of riff. It is. For those of you who are not familiar with Longmont Potion Castle, that's a whole other thing I think we'll have to go into in another episode. But Longmont Potion Castle is a prank caller. Uh, hey, I'm the only guy here on the dock. <laughs> it's... Uh... Siam? <laughs> oh, you and I will get to the bottom of it, all right, if I need to come down and drive the truck myself. Oh, well, go ahead. Be prepared to be met by police. So what Brian's talking about there is a, a, a prank caller from Colorado who calls himself Longmont Potion Castle, subject of a great documentary film called Where the Hell is the Lavender House? He, he he uses vocal effects and all sorts of weird stuff, and he manages to find phone numbers of people like Alex Trebek, who he tells Alex Trebek that there's $2,000 worth of hey, sod. Man, like, hey, this is a thrasher with UPS. <laughs> <laughs> he claims to be from UPS. He wants COD. He's going to come down there. Uh, and then uh, Two tons, sir. Uh, <laughs> sod? Yes, sir, from Siam. That and the, and the tough shed, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was in Memphis a, a little while back, maybe about a year ago, and, and I uh, happened across Ernest Tubbs' record shop, which is the record shop that he calls asking for or turtle, turtle pleasure. treasures. Turtle is pleasure. Is it turtle treasures or turtle pleasure? Turtle pleasure. Ah. Uh, turtle pleasure and Sha Na Na <laughs> and the box set of Hee Haw that he's on <laughs> home for. So, uh, the box set of Hee Haw. Hee -haw. So, I'm a whoop you. I'm a whoop you. So, 
We'll have to do it. We'll have to do an LPC. We'll have to do an LPC episode because I will sit there and just I will sit there and just do an entire call from memory. So it's it's it, long and short of it is that that LPC Longmont Potion Castle is a prank caller, and he often fabricates entire identities to fuck with people. And his whole thing is keeping people on the phone for as long as humanly possible. And one of the things he likes to do is that he pretends he's from UPS and he's got a package at the dock and it's coming to you, but it's COD. You got to have a check ready. Uh, <laughs> so on time cube, and what's interesting about, about I, I, I gotta, I gotta get the time cube because look, uh, time cube was taken off the internet. This, this site was dead for a very long time. Yeah. But courtesy of the Endangered Noob Productions LLC group, uh, also known as ENP LLC Restoration, they and the Wayback Machine, uh, which is the uh, archive.org, they managed to resurrect the site, recreate it, and put it on a new host. So you can, to this day, still see the TimeCube site. It is TimeCube.2, that's the number two, ENP.com. If you want to read along with some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, because who oh boy, Otis Eugene Ray's email is still listed on there, by the way. It's oray612959 at earthlink.net. Pretty sure Earthlink not around anymore. Yeah, you're going to get a, uh, a message not delivered response <laughs> on that one. 2005 is when uh, timecube.com stopped being a thing. And the ENP group brought it back 2016. So, yeah, aside from just the basics, Earth has four simultaneous day rotation. Timecube.com was notorious for Gene Ray's rants. Huge text. And rambles, like, like, the, like the ravings of someone who uh, really needs a mental health check. The, I see the words here. Children will be blessed for kissing of educated adults who ignore four simultaneous day days, same earth rotation, practice boring oneness upon earth of quadrants, boring adult crime versus youth, support lie of supports lies of integration. I educated are most dumb. No one human except dead one man is paired to half for self. One God, one of God is only one fourth of God. Marshmallow a lie, word is a lie. Navel connects and corner fours. God is born of a mother. Uh, she left a belly bee signature. Every priest has must signum. Um, it's just like fucking yeah. word salad. It is. Uh, he's talking about when he says the uh, she left belly bee signature. He means the belly button. So his belly button logic is laid out slowly here. Lies that corrupt earth, you educated, brilliant fools. Belly button logic works. When, when do, do teenagers die? Adults eat teenagers alive. No record of their death. This is like a fucking big black song. <laughs> <laughs> no record of their death. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I would, I would listen to this song. Yeah, dude. Be a twelve-minute-long song. Then a fucking eighty-seven fucking Toyota Camry with rust damage. <laughs> fucking driving, driving to fucking schnooks, trying to fucking hey, Mister, some guy. Uh, truth was that they all had mama made belly buttons. Church was full of liars. Earth has four days in same twenty-four hours. One day God was wrong. Einstein was 
Oneist brain, try my belly button logic. No God knows about four days. It is boring to ignore four days. Does your teacher know? Fraudulent oneness of religions, academia has has retired your opposite rationale brain to a half-brain slave. You ignore three of four days. Force four days on Earth. They already exist. Four horsemen have four days in only one Earth rotation. Four angles stood on four corners. Four corners rotate to 16 corners, which equal to four corner days. Teachers are evil liars. The oneness of God is stillness, death. You were oneness, retire on the earth, opposites all your life. Love of God is hate of children. Support time cube or be cursed. And it goes on like this. So I'm, I'm dating someone, right? Okay. And she, uh, I kind of let it slip that I do this podcast Uh-oh. and I didn't tell her what it was. And I was kind of nervous because we're still kind of finding our legs a little bit here. Mm-hmm. She finally sussed it out of me. One night, we're like laying in bed, and she's like, "Yeah, I listened to your podcast." I'm like, "Oh boy, yeah." And I'm like, "Which, which episode?" She's yeah, like, I don't know the one about some motherfucker with a long face. And a oh, no, no. <laughs> of all and the she, ones, yeah. and she's like talking about how I just kept fucking going about Barnacle Jim, and I'm just like, "Yeah, well, real piece of shit." I think this might have been your Barnacle Jim rant. Yeah, that was it. Uh, <laughs> The time cube is a real pecker checker at the stalls. Yeah. Four day uh, Earth beat the shit out of Barnacle Jim with Tilto. <laughs> Four day Barnacle Jim hole session. Yeah. Check out my Pleasure Lagoon logic. <laughs> Only boring fool would let hole heal. It really does feel like a lot of the a lot of that same thing. And and like I said, we're only a quarter of the way through this webpage. God damn. I know. And, and they're. Oh yeah, covered by Mama Hole and Papa Pole. So there's your there's your Barnacle Jim thing right there. Damn it. All there needs is a mention of like Val Venus and like uh, rough housing. I haven't looked through all of this in a long time, so I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> or you know, uh, beating up five guys at Juanita's. <laughs> Yet another Dan Quinn reference to an episode that will never come out. We'll probably at some point we're really feeling ourselves. Like, you know, I think it's time to go back to the Dan Quinn well. We may, we may have to. He goes on and on in increasingly bizarre language. Like I just said, Mama Hole and Papa Pole pulsating opposite burritos. It's really... But burritos is spelled B-U-R-R-I-T-O-E-S. Right. As though it's you're buried your toes. Some Dan Quayle shit. I'm, he keeps saying oneist, as in people who believe there's only one day in 24 hours. He keeps talking about how academics are are not teaching his method and all this stuff. In this moment, I really think Gene Ray or Otis Ray or whatever you want to call him. James Earl Otis Ray. Yeah. <laughs> there we Damn. go. He's breaking down. And he's... He believes himself on the level of Einstein. He believes to have discovered this truth that lies at the center of everything. And from this one thing, he's spiraling out to everything else that aggrieved him. This is so much suffering coming through this. Uh, Fictitious unicorns and and, and talking about you worship Chaddock imposter guys by educators. So he's talking about, you know, people in academia. He's talking about, you know, your parents and God. It's it's really fucking sad. Yeah, it really feels like Gene Ray. He's got problems, clearly. 
But it also feels like he's frustrated because no one will listen to him. Also very sad. But we don't know very much about this guy to begin with. I've been trying to find any information I can get about Gene Ray. All I can find is stuff that just says self-described scientist and creator of time keep theory. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there have been some people who have tried to do uh some like academic dive into it with some success. Maybe more than we'll have with our current exploration into it, but it's this is a man that definitely has a sense of mystery to him. It's just a troubled human being. I mean, like I think probably like the MIT thing. I don't think he was invited to be made fun of. I kind of do. It feels like a real Reddit atheist thing to do. I think it was someone trying to give him honest challenge, and he just didn't fucking get it. Yeah. What little we do know is that he was a former electrician and inventor. Okay. So he did actually have several other websites beside TimeCube. He also had RateMyPoo.com. No, no, no. No, he did have Above God. Above God uh, focuses on, of course, uh, being against the church. Mm -hmm. He equates worshiping the monotheistic God that we think of in Judaism and Christianity as adults eating their own children. Damn. Go off. Yeah. He has some questionable views on race in Above God. Oh, yeah. he. Uh, I remember reading or hearing about this. Yeah, this guy has some hot takes. He's mm -hmm. not like this. He's not um, like Wesley Willis, like <laughs> like an innocent, yeah. crazy person. No. And uh, and I, oh, I feel terrible calling Wesley Willis a crazy person because everything I ever heard about anyone who spent time with him when he was alive was overwhelmingly positive and sweet. Yeah, and and... and that doesn't mean that there wasn't some mental illness there. That sure, just means but, that the um, disposition was different. Yeah. But there, uh, Wesley Willis was, I think, probably a better person. I would imagine. Just, just, just yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't uh, think Wesley Willis had hate in his heart. <laughs> no, unless you're talking about whooping Batman's ass. But well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, he had a website called Greatest Thinker, which was yet another uh, atheist uh, rant site, basically. But. The one sentence that really stuck out to me from Greatest Thinker was, and I'm quoting here, God is the supreme excuse for human adults to absolve themselves of any obligation to preserve natural resources for their own children during their lifetime. God, is that something that, like on one of those bars of soap? Yeah, the Dr. Bronner's. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Otis Ray. Um, the, the, there's untapped potential to sell... Dr. Bronner fucking But with time cube <laughs> stuff on it. Perfect. Oh god, if we had a web store. Oh my god. That would be And his fourth site, uh Gene Ray, of course, uh, the wisest human. <laughs> Such a humble man. Yep. Here's some some choice quotes. Truth about Santa Claus debunks Santa God. God evolves from Santa. Four quadrants resemble circle but doesn't constitute circle earth more cubic than orb. My wisdom so antiquates known knowledge that a psychiatrist examining my behavior, eccentric by his academic single-corner knowledge, knows no course other than to judge me schizophrenic in today's standards. It's like this, homeboy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really does. It's like, it's like he's calling up Dana White. <laughs> Dana White? You must establish a chair of wisdom to empower wise men over the stupid intelligists. Yeah. If you don't believe if you don't believe in the four cubic time days, you're a genetic <laughs> bitch. 
Do not get Dan Quinn and Otis Ray together. I will t- just <laughs> they will just go off for, or maybe they'll usher in a new scientific golden age. It's kind of fifty fifty. So, <laughs> you can only imagine. <sighs> Gene Ray, what a what a specimen. Uh, and it's much like we talked about with, with some of these other guys, like Dan Quinn or like w- with Chris Chan. We wouldn't have known a single thing about Gene Ray had they not put themselves out there, right? Yeah. So it's almost a self-inflicted wound, but it doesn't change anything. The fact that we know Gene Ray is great. That's an interesting wrinkle. But the fact that like he's still, I mean, again, this the last I seen of him was 2005 so he he may have passed on since then i don't really have any records on I that i think he's probably kicked the bucket by now if we had to be a, a, a generous assumption there's really no evidence to the contrary you know what i mean like yeah i mean like timekeep for me was just like this weird thing i was introduced to through like posting on something awful particularly in fiad there was a lot of timekeep shit i remember there was someone posting about hormones and milk no. Oh yeah, and yeah. People were uh being associating that with like time cube logic where, you know, turns out actually like yeah, like all of the RGBST or whatever and fucking milk and stuff is actually probably not great for you and not great for the cows. Kind of the anti time cube in some respect. Right, because at least that has some some basis in in existing scientific um knowledge to it. Uh our good friends at Tech TV, remember Tech TV? You know what? I hate to say this. Remember this Rob Thomas looking motherfucker over is here? That, what's his name? Is that Martin Short? No, it's no. not Martin Short. Or no. Fucking, uh, what was his name? I used to love Tech TV. Yeah, well, Tech TV had him on. No way. Yeah, so they had him on. But this was a five minute segment on Tech TV. They, I mean, they, they had him, you know, and they had him listed on the Chiron as Gene Ray. Um, they had him, li- you know, come in and, and explain time cube for, you know, five minutes or so. And they, they, they kind of laughed at him and called him silly and made, you know, made the, uh, it was unscrewed was the name of the show. Well, here's in the cube. You can see it. You can't deny that. Offering academic institution, any professor $10,000 to disprove it. They can't disprove it. So they ignore it and run and hide. You're offering $10,000 to anyone who can dispute the time cube principle? Uh, institution or professor. Not me. If I if I beat you in a debate right now, you're not going to pay me ten thousand. One thousand. One thousand for me. That's all right. Screwed. Yes, I actually. Uh, um, when I was visiting my brother in San Francisco in two thousand four, I was like, "Can we get tickets for that?" Like you probably know. Oh. Someone. And I think Did you? they had no. They had probably oh. I think rap production oh. for that season or however they they segmented it. And I think also it was probably canceled long after because it's 2004, so that's yeah. not too long. I actually loved Tech TV. It had some great stuff. House Call was good. House Call. There was like just like weird, interesting shit. Um, G4 was generally bad. Wasn't G4, wasn't that whole thing was that they bought Tech TV or was that something different? Yes, but was X-Play was originally Tech X-Play. TV, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used Morgan to Webb like... And- uh, Calling people who love cars racist is uh, a tech TV thing or a <laughs> X-Play thing that has stuck with me forever. I really liked a lot of the stuff that tech TV did in the early aughts. Now, was it originally Morgan Webb and Adam Sessler or was it? Adam Sessler, I think, was one of the original mics. Okay. And then 
because it was like some Ziff Davis thing, I think, at first. Okay. Digital right. Playground, maybe? Yeah. Okay. That Why makes do sense. I remember this? Why like I have I've lived such a fulfilling life. Why do I remember this minutia about like a cable TV show? Well, I remember Jessica Chobot came from that and she's mm-hmm. still around. She's still doing stuff on, on the web there. M. Sessler is a great follow on Twitter. He, yes. he seems like a very interesting and passionate person. It kinda sucks that the revitalization of G four didn't really work. Yeah. I didn't watch any of the new episodes of X Play, but I was I was hopeful that it was at least decent. It's weird to think that the last review that Adam Sessler did for the original run of X-Play was Mass Effect 3. Wow. Why do I remember this? Who fucking knows? I have a whole entire bookshelf of big smarty man books, but like, <laughs> I remember the most weird shit about the dumbest things. But yeah, so Tech TV had... Uh, so had Time Cube. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's pretty Tech much Tiny it. Tiny Time Cube. Uh, if you don't believe in God... Yeah. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you don't believe in God, and you don't believe in the four uh, quadrant day. You are a peasant, and if you do not understand the belly button logic of mamas and the papas, and if you have three <laughs> hairs instead of two hairs, which is preferred, you will not bask in the glory of God. You will roll around in the pools of Satan, and Satan will laugh at you and say the four day time Q quadrant is superior. You are a fool not to believe in the four day time quadrant is superior. You are a fool. <laughs> well, anyways how hey, how's it going uh, yeah, they're doing good <laughs> holy shit that that about does it for that no uh whew, i know what all a, right let's look at some gross let's pictures. look at some gross shit now the moment you've all been waiting for shock dot j p g is there a four-day time quadrant of goatsy you know what? No, they haven't. But there is something uh, with four characters in it called the Teenage Mutant Skullfuckers. <laughs> well, I know what this is. Yeah, which is bad. It's yeah. like it's like it's like something that's been rying in the back of my head. And when you said Teenage Mutant Skullfuckers, I'm like, I know what this is. Yep, this is bad. It's, once you've seen this, this particular... is Am Sessler post <laughs> Is that why he wasn't invited back for the anyway? So, so the video 2014. <laughs> it's so fucking bad. I know. Throw up on the screen, Jamie. Yeah, uh, Jamie, pull up the pull up the the turtle porn. Um, so the long and short of it, courtesy of our friends. This is like this, a, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm 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 one and a half beers in somehow. <laughs> My tolerance has just been really bad because I've just been practicing some form of sobriety except for when I hang out with you. Loser. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I, I did that so bad it clipped, by the way. <laughs> just like a, a fucking sun record. Of a... <laughs> for 15 minutes. And then you're just like, all right, uh, this is a $50 LP. <laughs> like dope smoker. Anyway. <laughs> now, did, I ever, did I ever tell you about seeing Sleep Live? No. Briefly. Okay. Well, um, I was covering Burger Rama in San Francisco. Not San Francisco. In LA. Mm-hmm. And San Ana, to be more specifically, which is not LA. LA people are get mad at me. Yeah. Orange County people in general will get mad at me. But anyways. Right. Well, they're going to get mad at you anyway. Uh, they're going to get mad at me because I'm fucking river trash from the Midwest talking about 
being in on their precious west coast where everything's expensive and awful Ooh. anyways um or things here in the midwest are cheap and awful i'll take it yeah i'll take it anyways <laughs> um so i went out i was photographing burgerama for uh, 11 magazine and i went outside to photograph mac demarco which is one of the worst things i've ever seen and i was like this sucks i'm gonna go back in and watch the rest of sleep set and ran to some of my friends that were peeking on acid and they were losing their fucking mind and watching sleep play was very satisfying got some great photos and i remember because it's fucking burgerama the next band is some dudes in like brown corroy fucking bell bombs and shit <laughs> with like fucking semi-hollow body jingle jingly guitars and there's some dude that has like a fucking fake perm fro going like yeah guys i'm really sorry uh, we're only going to be able to play for like about 15 minutes because uh, sleep went over. And I'm expecting this dude to be like, man, fuck them. But he's like, that is one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like oh, this this is a core memory being fucked. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would say seeing of- sleep live would be pretty pretty impressive in your but brain. The, but yeah. the, like the fucking band that comes on after being like some, who knows who, I can't remember who they were, but them just right. being like, that was fucking sick and completely the exact opposite type of music. Yeah, that happens. Uh, it happens. But, but yeah, it's Anyways, still Teenage refreshing. Mutant, Teenage Mutant Skull Fuckers. Teenage Mutant Skull Fuckers. Uh, <laughs> so as you can see from this this brief still here, all the all the costumes of the uh, the aforementioned Teenage Mutant, obviously based on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So the costumes that the characters are wearing look like they're made of green duct tape, googly eyes, awful, just. The Very worst, amateurish. yeah, the, the the worst. So, the video, courtesy of our good friends at the Screamer Wiki, for describing it for us, because God knows I'm not going to log in to uh, to view that shit. The video depicts four people cosplaying as the titular Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they skull fuck. Pretty much, I mean, they have giant uh, fake penises, yeah. eating pizzas, and reading pornos. It's really, I remember this, it's really vulgar. Yeah. Three of them begin beating Leonardo. Uh, does he like decapitate him and like beat his dick or, around or something? Uh, Raphael stabs him in the penis. Uh, they shove a long stick into his ass and then they slit his throat and <laughs> brutally pull it out. It cuts to the final scene. They start ejaculating onto the corpse with fake semen. <laughs> Now, <laughs> there's really no, there's Folks, literally nothing Folks, listen, in the world. Even I know me pornography when I see it. Yeah. And this ain't pornography. This is high art. Even describing it to you really doesn't sell it. No, it's like, because <laughs> if I remember, it's like even like a little sped up. Like it's something that might have been like on Nickelodeon in the early 90s. Almost, yeah, almost as if they kind of played it at one and a half speed. Wow, uh, we're going to fucking jack off on Donatello's decapitated body and fill him up with goo. Uh, after Rocco's modern life. The video, of course, resulted in a lawsuit. <laughs> Not showing enough dick and pussy. April wasn't in it. That was what. <laughs> no April O'Neil, no deal. Uh, no, uh, Viacom, of course, sued him three times for copyright infringement. YouTube uh, deleted both the video and the channel. Wait, it was on YouTube? Yes. This was early days of YouTube. They must have. I mean, 
there are still videos with frontal nudity that you can find on YouTube that were uploaded in like 2008. That's true. I think no one just fucking cares to like censor a shun video that has like at this point not even probably a hundred thousand views. So from what we know, courtesy of DazedDigital.com, the piece was from London-based artist James Unsworth, apparently renowned for the <laughs> Bosch-like venereal scenarios. Again, this is courtesy of the, the Days Digital writer here. $500 gallery, which again is, is in London. Uh, he showcases his vast body of work, a lot of drawings, a lot of TMNT, uh, Rule 34, as you would say, uh, porno art. Uh, quote, in keeping with his forte, the exhibition sees the turtles engaging in all manner of sex acts, exhibiting Unsworth's talent across a range of media, from delicate lines to garish, low-res graphics and amateur set design, all of which simultaneously challenge childhood memories and tantalize necrophilic taste buds. So that's the kind of... Uh, outsider art that this guy was into and uh i still like him more than vincent gallo oh well sure okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i didn't think buffalo 66 was that bad that being the shot.jpg of the week brian uh, it is about time to do my favorite part of the program the breathman that's right are you tired of seeing children cry and kittens being lit on fire and 240p it's a time for the breathman he's mocking me but i know he enjoys it um so yeah maybe i just want to watch the world burn maybe so for the breath mint this week, Brian, I... Listen, I know who the squealers are. <laughs> that guy right there is going to tell his parents I showed him Goatsy. <laughs> oh, man, the early internet joker. That's a whole nother... That's a that's that's something worth exploring. Well, the two boats, they had to show each other Goatsy. But, but neither one wanted to show the other <laughs> one Goatsy. Rachel! <laughs> don't, don't click on hello.jpg, Rachel! <laughs> Rachel! No! <laughs> oh, screaming over the radio. Was, yeah. what, if, what if The Dark Knight was about Goatsy? What if any movie was about Goatsy? Interstellar? Murphy. Anyway. And they're about to open Hello.jpg. <laughs> Here we, we go. go. <laughs> You're wrong, Joker. No one wants to look at him open the butthole. Me and you are destined to do... I think me and you are destined to show each other gross pics forever, Batman. <laughs> well, that does make sense. You and I are kind of uh, Batman and Joker. Yeah. Um, but I don't talk like this. Um, don't you show me the picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Aaron Eckert's character. He saw the goat scene. That's why his face... No! Was. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, this week I'm going to start with a a nice little piece of entertainment courtesy of actually a friend of my children's. Oh. It's going to sound weird, but this is a kid who is a friend of my son's and they're they're good chums and all, and and they commonly say, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Back and forth. Uh Well, my son is almost 13, so we've been doing Spooky Month the past months. We've been showing mm-hmm. everybody spooky movies. We've been showing PG-13 horror flicks. And this kid goes, have you seen Fall? We didn't know what he was talking about. I scared up copy, and we watched it the other night, and it is really unexpected. Kind of came out of nowhere. 
I had never heard of anyone who was involved in it, even the actors in it, or any any of the people behind the scenes, nothing. So it's a real, I wouldn't even say small budget because it, it feels big the way the movie is, but it's a movie about two two women who, after the death of one of them's fiancé, decide to, you know, it's been a year and they're they're kind of getting over it all and they, they go on... One last big hurrah, and they're going to climb this abandoned TV tower, or this abandoned radio tower in the middle of nowhere. And then, of course, they get stuck. Uh-huh. So it's a, it's a very tense movie about my least favorite thing, which is, of course, heights. I mm-hmm. have an intense fear of heights, so this movie really got to me. But also, it doesn't hurt that the characters are interesting. And that their tension is right there. And the fact that they're stuck up on this tower, that's a huge one. So highly recommend that one. And enjoy when you see it. Brian, what is your first Breath Man of the Week? Ooh, the Fall. That sounds interesting. I might have yeah. to check that out. Not The Fall, Ooh, by the fall. way. There's there's two movies. I feel like we're titles. talking about two indie bands. What, no, listen. <laughs> yeah. The Fall, they're an art rock band right. from uh, New York City. Yeah. At the Fall are from Portland. Right. You know, and they're yeah. actually more kind of like a noise grindy art rock the you know, everyone's got facial tattoos or something. Anyways. Yes. My first breath man I want to talk about because I don't think I've talked about a video game for a minute. Yeah. Um, Signalis. Signalis, okay. Which is this weird kind of retro horror uh, suspense game. Mm. Kind of feels like somewhere between old Resident Evil and like Alone in the Dark. Oh, I did look at this earlier. Yeah, it's a it's a two D. It's got some pixel art. It's all of the characters are like anime waifus, which I don't, <laughs> which kind of clashes with everything else is going on in the game. It's a very yeah. interesting choice. Is it distracting, but, um, or is it? It's a little distracting. Yeah, it's it becomes endearing at some point. But I've been I I've spent more time in. I thought I would because I've been really fighting against like the bad combat. The combat system mm. I find to be very eh and it doesn't really work as well as I think the developers thought it would. The atmosphere and the soundtrack and the general aesthetic that it's working with is it really tickles the early survival horror part of my brain. Hmm. Like, oh, this is really nostalgic in a way that is fresh and interesting. The aesthetics are very, like, super polished PS1 game. Okay. I appreciate that. But I got, like, to the first boss, and the the space you're fighting in and the things you're having to deal with, like, enemies kind of keep reappearing and things like that really sucks Mm. like if it was just like the boss character in this little arena that you have and like i think that would have been fun and interesting but now you got these two characters and you don't ever have enough ammo it just seems like the combat system that they design stands in the way of really enjoying the game in a meaningful way Mm. which sucks because the story is got enough that's interesting about it and the like again the aesthetics the graphics the music there's a mood here that's really nice and fun. You play as like some weird sort of like pseudo android that's awakened on like a an alien planet and you kind of get this idea that like maybe 
in the first couple minutes that like, oh, maybe there's like no society and you're just like having to explore like the wastelands or something. But it turns out and it doesn't get really I haven't got far enough to get the full explanation of it. But there actually like there was a settlement and like you were just like a late bloomer by a magnitude of what seems like many years. Hmm. It seems like it could be a really great game, but the combat makes it super unappealing. And that sucks because I would love to recommend a weird PS1 <laughs> style yeah. horror game that reminds me of playing Alone in the Dark for the first time. Oh, wow. But is somehow more clunky than Alone in the Dark. Oof. A game that's like almost 30 years old yeah. at this point. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. But yeah. I think if you want to have your you know, survival horror nostalgia, part of your self tickled. If that exists within you, <laughs> I would give it a shot and see if it sticks. I'm hoping one day I can say I got past the first boss boss and the rest of the game is fantastic and rewarding, but I'm, I'm not so hopeful. Not there yet. Right. What you got? What's next for you? Next for me would be weird. The Al Yankovic story on Roku. How is there. that? How is that? Well, I really had fun with it. It is a goofy little ride. It really feels a lot like they channeled a lot of the same energy that UHF had. So I, I have to ask, yeah. the part where they cover Weird Al's parents dying from like the carbon monoxide? They did not do that. Oh, they didn't no, do a big no, no. <laughs> They did not. No, uh, they, they actually, the movie itself is a parody of a biopic. Okay. So the movie itself is a straight on parody of something like a Walk the Line or something like a right. Ray where they completely invent out of whole cloth, whole sections of his life. There's a few things that are true, but they're buried so deep within the irony that it's almost hard to pick them out, which I think is by design. You know, the, 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 the riff on, on a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, uh, Boogie Nights. Yeah. There's an entire pool scene. Where it's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, where it's, you know, uh, he says you do really good parodies. Can you show me a parody right now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that is the most star-studded scene in the entire movie, by the way. You've got Jack Black, Scott Ackerman, uh, you've got Paul F. Tompkins, Emo Phillips. Like, anyone you could think of is in it. There, there's a woman playing Elvira, not Elvira herself, um, which would have been really funny because... Cassandra and and uh, Al are, are friends in real life, but like, there's just moment to moment, there's just so many really spot on funny jokes being made. It, it riffs on so many different things, but none of it's true, right? Except for maybe like a little bit in the opening where he talks about forming a band with his roommates. That's about it, right? Or sending his tape to Scotty Brothers. That's I mean, there's really not much that's true in the movie, but I think that makes it funnier because by the end of the movie, it's almost like you've really, it, it, it goes to degrees of extrapolation where you're like, okay, this is clearly not fucking true. Like, right. even, if you, <laughs> right. even if you could have believed in the first 10 minutes or so that this was a straightforward biopic, by the end of it, you're like, okay, all right, fine. you're in on the joke by the end of the movie. But yeah, it's it's just... So many cameos, so many great performances. Daniel Radcliffe fucking sells it. He's I've... a great actor. I, I I think his whole entire thing is that with Harry Potter, he I'm sure financially mm -hmm. he's set for life. So artistically, he can indulge himself, however, and I think that's what he's basically done is he's done whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. 
and that feels good. He does a great American accent, so he doesn't have to, you know, um, but he doesn't do Weird Al's voice. He's just doing his flat American accent. Right. Um, Al himself appears as one of the Scotty brothers, mm-hmm. uh, which is great uh, because he gets to he gets to kind of wink at the camera a little bit. Um, there's just what's really interesting is that it really only covers the parody section of his uh, of his career. But to me, Weird Al will always be a guy who wrote really interesting original songs that just mimic someone else's style, not necessarily a particular song. Like I was talking about this uh, earlier. I don't know if we were recording at the time, but but um, Bad Hair Day, yeah, that Weird Al album, has a song called Everything You Know Is Wrong. And it's not a parody of a specific They Might Be Giants song. It's just, hey, I can do the They Might Be Giants style let me show you for two and a half minutes. Well, it's like Dare to be Stupid. Correct. Yes. Uh, Dare to be Stupid. Uh, like he did a song on Mandatory Fun where he, it was called CNR. It was, it was a series of Chuck Norris jokes rewritten to be about Charles Nelson Riley, but it was oh, in yeah. the style of the White Stripes. <laughs> and so, like, it makes sense that he's able to parody movies too, because he, I, I think what somebody, I think it was Pat Oswalt had said, like in order to parody something, you have to really love it. And so, oh, yeah. and so with weird, with the Al Yankovic story, you can kind of tell that he and, and a couple of the other producers and whoever else was involved with the movie love these musician biopics, but also realize that they're completely stupid. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, I can, I can see that. Yeah. I, I'm looking <laughs> forward to watching this at some point. Highly recommend it. Uh, but like weird Al himself says, if you, if you don't have Roku or if you don't have the ability to it, there is very probably no uh, way to do it. And I'm sure you have a torrent of other questions, Yes, but uh, Brian, what is next uh, for you? So this is something I've been wanting to watch for a while. And I actually was uh, hoping to watch it my birthday weekend, but I cannot remember if either I was too early for it to be in theaters or it had left theaters already because, well, um, I can't imagine uh, Crimes of the Future having a really long uh, run in uh, the Midwest. That is the new Cronenberg film. The new Cronenberg film, and um, I loved it. Um, My lady friend loved it. I think it might be one of the horniest films I've ever watched. I don't know. We were talking about Tatane a couple weeks ago. That was... Uh, no, Tatane, Tatane is like some, like, uh, it's like the VH1 cut of Showgirls. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not, like, explicit, but there's, like, no, this yeah. tension and this wanting and this lust that's really palpable. Like Secretary. Yes. I've only seen parts of Secretary, but, yes, we could say it's along that line. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, I, I can say there's some point of comparison there from my knowledge of the movie. Okay. Uh, Secretary. Yeah, it's just really uh, Lee Sado. Lee Sado, yes, is fantastic. Vigo Mort. Vigo. Vigo. How do you say last name? Vigo Mortensen. Mortensen. See, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm doing this podcast. Yeah, remembers names better than me. <laughs> Uh, with someone who knows names better than me, um, they both give an amazing. And Vigo, as he gets older, is just like a higher dude. I yeah, it's very rare. I remember, like, uh, I think the first time I really recognized him was um, a history of violence. history of violence. I was thinking that, yeah, which is a fantastic fucking little movie. It. I'm not saying the movie is without its flaws, sure, and even describing it is kind of spoiling it, sure. But it is about a world where pain has mostly 
been eradicated through some unknown evolution of mankind. Okay. And also the infectious disease has mostly been eradicated. Okay. So people kind of just do like open surgery on each other, like as a new form Ooh. of like eroticism and self expression and identity. And it is really intense and it also kind of some of the stuff feels like a little HR Geigery as far as okay. like biomechanical machinery and stuff like that. And it has I guess you could say it is a fuck, I don't even know what it's about other than just being horny. Yeah. Well it's sometimes that's all you gotta do. Yeah. It's I mean it's a it's about the truth and moving forward as a species. Hmm. But also, I think, kind of confronting the fact that what would human evolution look like in the face of a dying Earth that we have destroyed? Jesus. Yeah. Um, wow. Again, like, the, the I know I'm talking about this really horny movie where people are, like, doing, like, the I'm nutting face while someone, like, fucking puts a knife in their foot. It's kind of like Crash, but for people that like nip and tuck. Okay. All right. I, All right. I mean, if I'm yeah. going to really just no, pull, that, pull some random sure. words out of my mouth. No, but like it crash, Videodrome, like they they all kind of share the same DNA in in that kind of milieu, if you were, if to use a French word, which I fucking hate doing, but it's sometimes the French, they, every once in a while they got it, right. they got it, but but yeah, like uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what other because really the only other thing that I can think of where someone would have that same reaction to something like that would be Takeshi Miike's audition. Ooh. So that that would be the other point of comparison I would have. But yeah, interesting. I want to see it. I love Cronenberg. I cannot wait. It's like a $3 rental on Amazon Prime at Gotta the time get of this recording. Yeah. So yeah, I, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. And I'm really glad I'm seeing someone that wants to watch weird, gross movies all the time. <laughs> yeah. Someone that was like, yeah, I didn't really flinch at Campbell Hallgast. I believe that's what they like, told me. Okay. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, we got right. this. We're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can yeah. show you all the weird little... Like, um... I showed her the sadness. Oh boy! And she really liked it. Yeah. And I was like, oh well. All right. You can, you can hang. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate this. So kind of <laughs> skipping ahead here because it's relevant because yeah. Or in the relevance in the sense I just watched it last night. Yeah. Uh, with the lady friend, and uh, we watched um, Don't Worry, Darling. Oh, what did you think of Don't Worry, Darling? I thought it was pretty interesting. I think it didn't live up to everything it set up. Yeah, I thought aesthetically it was very nice. I mm -hmm. thought there was a lot of solid performance. I think people were a little hard and fast to their judgment of Harry Styles' performance. I think the fact that he is not a seasoned actor mm -hmm. kind of lent to the unease of the film. I can't imagine Shia LaBeau, who I think was originally pegged to oh, uh, yeah. perform that role, uh, would have done any better. So um, I can't say necessarily that Harry Styles was like fantastic in it, but what he gave as a performance, I think, fit the film fine. Florence Poe, um, again, uh, she can step on me any day. And Same. I think the discussion or the point that I made after watching it was that like she's like the the kind of like Jennifer Lawrence part two. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, as far as when she's uh, using an American accent, which is mm -hmm. most of the films that she's in these days. But I loved her performance. She's so expressive, and there's little subtle things she does as a performer that I really appreciate. Um, Olivia Wilde is good. The cast is fucking 
strong as shit. Oh, Chris uh, Pine and yeah. Yeah, uh, Nick Kroll almost gets hit by a car, <laughs> which which is great. Yep. Can't can't say enough good things about that moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's not because I want bad things to happen to Nick Kroll, but because his father is a bad person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, okay, so are are you familiar with the films of a guy named Andrew Nichol? I am not. Okay. So Andrew Nichol wrote and directed Gattaca. Okay. Well, Gattaca is one of my favorite films of all time. All right, so so, that, so that's, that's, that's Andrew Nichol. Uh, Andrew Nichol also wrote a movie called Simone. Al Pacino is a film director, Victor Taransky, who a dying fan gives him a hard drive which has a virtual actor on it to replace this you know, mercurial actor played by Winona Ryder who <laughs> leaves his movie... And so he gives her this virtual actor. So he creates this film with this virtual actor. But the virtual actor becomes a star. One of the movies that Victor Taransky, the director that's in this fake movie about a fake actor, is directing is called Eternity Forever. And there's a scene, uh, several scenes from this Eternity Forever movie that are shown as a film within a film of Simone. Mm -hmm. A lot of Don't Worry Darling reminded me of the movie within the movie of Simone called Eternity Forever. I don't know why. I think it's a lot of has to do with Andrew Nichols' obsession with old cars. So yeah. there's a lot of old cars in Don't Worry Darling. There's a lot of beautiful women in black dresses. You know, there's there's some just... Is there a lot of Florence Pogan and her fucking box chewed out? <sighs> if only. That would have made Simone a much better movie. But she was much <laughs> too young at the time of filming, so... Oh, well... Um, well um... Uh, parody uh, parody in minecraft <laughs> minecraft um, roblox but, but no uh it just i i had that vibe of like watching don't worry darling and i mentioned this to you the last time we talked about this movie is that the, the director of photography worked with darren aronofsky i could i could definitely pick that up there there were some real moments both in darren aronofsky style and in almost paul thomas anderson style of small bits that were repeated that were the cooking of the breakfast yep, and coffee and yeah there's there's just so a lot of visual motifs were cool i loved everyone in it it was i i liked it i felt like it kind of fell apart in the third act even though like the yeah. reveal was very interesting i think the more interesting story would have been showing that reveal earlier in the film Oh, and having them work it out. the And then yeah. having some maybe deeper consequences and understanding what maybe some of these people like Frank were like on the other side. It's kind of funny because when that movie ended, me and Lay looked at each other and... I, I would I never looked, do that to you, babe. No, no. <laughs> if you were a worm, I still went to... No, I looked at her and I go... Gaslight, gatekeep, girl and, and boss. Yeah. She finished girl boss. I'm like, I'm hanging out with the right person. That's it. Yeah. But uh, I was like, I was like, holy shit, what a weird fuck. I mean, I think where this movie finds a lot of its demographic or its people is definitely individuals who have been very traumatic relationships, whether or not they're yeah. romantic or yeah. through with family or their parents, because so much of the movie is just being fucking gaslit and being lied to i wish 
it was a little bit more adventurous in some of its themes. Yeah. But generally speaking, um, aside from the, the things that were like, oh, yeah, I'm reliving trauma mm. um, through this very pastel movie that gets dark. Other than that, like, it was, it's fine. Like, I don't think it's like a fucking all-timer or anything, but... My last uh, breath burn for this week is a piece of French literature. Oh, uh, we're talking about a book today, Mr. We are Word Reader. About a book, Mr. Word Reader. Well, I talked about a book uh, in the last episode actually. We talked about the uh, if if this book exists you're in the wrong universe. Well, this is not necessarily a corollary, but it does actually it shares nothing with Jason Parker's <laughs> book, but it's called The Anomaly. It is a New York Times bestseller, best thriller of the year winner. Back in, I want to say, twenty, yeah, 2021. That came out last year, November, right around this time. Hervé Letalier. I'm butchering the gentleman's name, and I apologize in advance, but it is a... It's French for I have a frog's penis. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. I took four years of high school French, still don't know a lick of it. So I'm really glad it got a translation. You know how Lost was a show about characters who experienced a tragedy on a plane and they all kind of learned... Baby to come, crying. They all kind of came together, right? Cosmic that, crying baby. Sure, yeah. if you will. Well, uh, the anomaly kind of takes that further. The anomaly is... Uh, it starts out and, and you're you're following character after... In chapter after chapter, character after character, and you're kind of getting to know them. And they each briefly kind of mentioned being on this plane. And then about a halfway point through the book, you get the explanation of why that matters. And it's because okay. it's because at some point, this plane went through some turbulence. Well, the turbulence may not have just been turbulence. It may have been something otherworldly because a second version of each of these characters arrives at the airport they were originally scheduled to four months later after the original incident. And so now all the other characters have to deal with the fact that now there is a second version of themselves that has not experienced the last four months and all the shit that went with it. It's fascinating just the way that that, that the author kind of ties all this in. He writes these characters in such brilliant and expressive ways. There's some Beautiful, poetic moments. I cannot recommend it enough just because it's so off-putting once you start to piece together like, oh, this guy in June, where when, when he meets his other self, almost doesn't recognize himself. He now has gone through four months of life, but for him, it's been heartbreak and all this other stuff, and his other self is so vastly different. And so it's this exploration of it's. I mean, I can't even begin because, again, doing so would just spoil the living shit out of the book. But sure, Whew, that it's sounds a, very fascinating. It's a ride, boy. Sounds like the author has some mechanical conviction. Fantastic, yeah. That it, seems like a really uh, a tough one to make. You know, as far as it coming up with a concept, that sounds really interesting. But making it work. Yeah, and it, it, it does. Takes some balls. Yeah, it so, really. Yeah. It's a it's a big swing, and he manages to hit it. The only thing I don't care for is the ending. But with a book that ambitious, Gosh. it's almost written in the stars that the ending's not going to be as satisfying as you ever want it to be. You know, we don't really ever understand what happened, but we understand that 
you know, it affected these characters in this way. So it's more of a character study. It's less about... Someone didn't turn their cell phone off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what happens. Yeah, that's, what... that's why they tell you oh, that. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Gosh, you remember... I remember oh, boy. flying as a child and being made to turn off my Game Boy. Oh, wow. And I'm just thinking, like, if my Game Boy can down this plane, what makes you think I'm going to turn it off? Hey, yo. Hey. I was a very sad child. <laughs> Sounds like it. Jesus. This is the point of the show where we tell people where to reach us with their All uh, right. well, conspiracy theories uh, and whatnot. A, a junior alphabet agency <laughs> uh, agent looking to make your name. You can harass me at iShotGDBoard. That's I-S-H-O-T-G-U-I-D-B-O-R-D on the old Twitter and Instagram. You can also take a look at my photography portfolio if, God, Gotta help you if you want to look at that at uh, <laughs> assholemusicphotographer.com. Uh, Jason, where yeah. can they send you your death threats? Oh boy, at Video Crime, V I D E O C R I M E. Assuming Twitter still exists. If it doesn't, well, you can find me on Mastodon at Video Crime at Retro.Pizza. And uh, you can also give us a call anytime, day or night. Send us a text or the show. That's 314-AHOY-POO. That's 314-246-9766. Hey, if you want to send us whatever else you want to send us via email, that's, of course, 48minutesofdogsbarking at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, well, that's patreon.com slash 48minutesofdogs. Here comes Gibson. Gibson, buddy. <laughs> Got, <it. laughs> Got him. Got him. Uh, so, folks, that's the show. Yep. Uh, you'll never hear uh, anti-Muslim uh, Rick and Morty bit, which has <laughs> nope. been erased. Had to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> but you will hear our, our exit music this week. Uh, it's a fantastic tune by a group of guys that we know personally, Bo and the Locomotive. Oh, yeah, they're going viral. They are going viral on TikTok with a song called how did you get my name? Oh, great. And we're well, going to leave you. I love Bone Locomotive. Yeah, fantastic group. So uh, we're going to leave you with a little bit of that. And we were going to say, as we always say at this time, namaste. And good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. No, no.